Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcasts at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for a podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric, E-R-I-K, dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. Back to our seventh session of our Life Group Leadership Series here on the New Life Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Ben, and with me is Pastor Eric Anderson, our discipleship pastor here at New Life Lutheran. And over the past six weeks, we have discussed leading a life group, how transformation works, reading our Bibles, having Christ conversations, life sharing, intentional caring. And today, we get into faithful living, which will be the last piece of the puzzle of this leadership series. So hopefully you haven't missed any of these, but if you have, you can go back on your podcast and get all caught up. But today we're going to dive right into it and just start with the simple question of what is faithful living? Yeah. So when we, um, we're talking about faithful living today, and this is the third of the four, um, expectations of our life groups. And, um, when we talk about faithful living, I know that we've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, but, we live our lives in two directions. We live our lives vertically, um, dealing with God and uh, with his promises and what he's done and his work in our lives. That's kind of our spiritual life. And then we have this horizontal direction where we have to deal with um, our neighbors in all the different aspects of our life. You know, our spouse being our closest neighbor, our kids being our next closest neighbor, our actual physical neighbors being our neighbors, our coworkers, right? So we have this kind of vertical and horizontal um, life that we live. And faithful living is dealing with the vertical portion of our lives. So our faithful living, um, and that's why we use that word faith there, is that it has to do with um, cultivating our faith and cultivating the grace of God um, in our lives. So that's the third expectation that, that we have. Um, and so then here at New Life and in our life groups, um, I've kind of broken that down um, to three main things that we do to help cultivate um, our spiritual life and in in, in God's grace in our life. And we have to remember to go back to that conversation um, about how transformation works that we had several weeks ago, um, that it's we as Lutherans, we believe that it's all God, that we don't actually make ourselves better. So when we talk about things that we can do to cultivate grace, what we're doing is we're actually just kind of like doing the things that God has told us and promised us that he'll meet us there when we do them. Um, so, for example, reading the scriptures, hearing God's word, uh, God has attached promises to his word. He's attached promises to the scriptures. Um, he's told us that um, in Isaiah, that his word does not return void, but it does what it intends. It actually it actually acts on us. Um, we're told in Hebrews that scripture 
um, is a double-edged sword that it pierces us and it um, reveals us. Uh, so we're told um, we're told all these promises in, in Scripture about Scripture. Um, and so God says, hey, if you read the Bible, um, if you do these things, um, then I'll meet you there. I'll actually do something to you. Um, and so we read the Scriptures. We read the Scriptures. We hear the Scriptures. We hear the preached word on Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. Uh, so that's one of the things that we do. It's because God has made promises that he's going to meet us there. Um, so Bible study is one aspect of this faithful living. Um, the next one that, that I've kind of broken down is Christian conversation. So this would be more of that discipleship kind of thing that we we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but that's the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren. Um, God has given us each other. Um, he's, he's made promises to us that, uh, we can forgive each other's sins and we can do, um, we can actually encourage and uplift one another and, um, we can pray for one another and actually heal one another, um, through our prayers. So God has made all these promises to us, um, about interacting with each other, loving each other, building each other up. Um, he's made promises to us. That's the second aspect of our, uh, faithful living is, is Christian conversation and Christian community. Um, and then the third uh, is the forgiveness of sins that at the center of our experience with God is experiencing him as an ever benevolent father, an ever benevolent parent who is always drawing us closer to him. Um, and despite our failings and our weaknesses, he's always bringing us close to him. Um, so forgiving each other for our sins is really kind of key um, to our life together, to discipleship and to faithful living. So faithful living is this vertical direction. Um, God has made promises to us about certain things. Um, and the way that I break that down in our life groups is that we read scripture together. We do, we have Christian community, Christian conversation with one another, and we forgive each other's sins. All right. So we're going to work through each one of these areas of faithful living by starting with Bible study. Um, so why don't you let us know how we use this gift from God uh, to guide us into faithful living? Yeah. So I would, um, again, we kind of went through this in detail uh, several weeks ago in our leading, kind of at the beginning of our leading life group series. I would go back to that. Um, listen to that because that has much more detail. Uh, but in that, we talked about an, an easy way to read scripture, a simple way to read scripture. Um and essentially what we do when we read scripture is we do three things. Um, we observe what's going on in the text, what's going on in the passage. Um, we interpret what's going on in the passage. So remember that um, observation is the who, what, where, when. We talk about just the general um, outline, just figuring out what's exactly going on in this passage, what's the context. Uh, then the interpretation is asking the why um, why does Jesus act this way? Why does God behave this way? Why does God say this? Um, why does, uh, uh, when, when Paul, um, communicates this to one of the churches, why is he saying it this way? Uh, we're kind of interpreting the passage to figure out what it means. Um, and then the third thing that we do is we apply it. Um, so we ask the questions like, uh, what does this have to do with me? What is God trying to do to me in this passage? Um, how might, um, this situation be similar to our situation today in our community. Um, but that's basically what we're doing is we're creating a funnel from observation being the biggest, widest thing. Then we move a little bit more specific into interpretation. What is God doing? Why is he doing it? What does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about each other? 
and then we go to application. How, like, what is God doing to me right now uh, as I'm reading this passage? Um, how am I being changed? How am I being transformed? Um, but you can go back several ones, uh, several episodes ago, and there's a much more detailed um, uh, conversation on that. But we do that together in in our life groups in some ways, um, either through a curriculum or uh, or we actually just like open up the scriptures and read them together. But that's um, a way that we can um, interact. And we're actually, uh, I find that we actually interpret scripture and read scripture better when we read it with other people because there are different um, uh, ideas and there are different points of view and we kind of can get a more robust picture of what scripture is saying. Um, and so really this is just kind of the center of our life together is the Bible. Um, and uh, this is kind of the central act is, is sitting down and hearing God um, through the scriptures. But that's how we do it. Observation, interpretation, and then application. And all those are, are so good. That was that was great because all three of those things are necessary. And actually, if you come to a, a New Life Lutheran church service, you'll see all three applied. There'll be an right. op- observation of, hey, this is what's happening. You know, this is these are all the characters, the interpretation of why is this happening, and the application to our, our personal lives. And, and the funny thing is sometimes people will pull one of these things out and that's where we just kind of blow up the whole system. Right. So if you just like remove observation, you go right into interpretation, you take a section of scripture without asking all the important cultural questions, right. you I- interpret it in your own personal way, which is not the best way without the observation. And then you apply it and you have this weird application. And that's how people uh, come to weird conclusions and do weird things and start cults and all this these right. issues. Right. If you remove interpretation and you just take an observation of like, okay, this is what's happening, and then you apply it, well, then what happens is you tend to like put yourself under all sorts of Old Testament weird regiments. You're like, okay, well, I can't trim this or do this or behave this way or eat or that. Have tattoos. Yeah, yeah. There's all these. Or... Yeah, it runs into all these issues, and so if you remove any of these things, it's a it's a huge huge problem. <clears throat> If you remove the application, well, you have an intellectual faith. You have a dead faith. Right. I mean, if you're like, I know everything and I know what's happening and why it's happening, but you're actually not living it out, well, then you're just, you're really, really smart, but yeah, you right. aren't actually living it out. And that's, that's a, you know, that's the main issue with the Pharisees mm-hmm. is they knew, it wasn't that they were dumb. They were way smarter than everyone I probably ever interacted with in my entire life as far as, you know, understanding scripture. But they weren't actually living it out, right? Right? They weren't putting it into practice, and that that was the death of them. It right. wasn't the knowledge; it was the the lack of application. So, all three of those are just so very important. So, I thank you for sharing those with us, and I encourage you guys to put all three observation, yeah. interpretation, application into practice. Yeah, and make sure you go back and listen to that episode um, several ones ago because we actually give um, questions to ask. Um, for each of those, um, the questions to ask of the scripture for each of those three segments. So go back and listen to that one to get to get more details on that. Yeah, that'll be very very great for you. And I know what you're thinking right now. Um, I think about about people all the time. Is every one of us knows, and we've been steeped in this from some ch- from childhood really, or anytime you've been in the church, we talk about the power of scripture. And we know we should be reading God's word because that's the main tool that He uses to communicate with us. But, but the question is, even though we know that's true, um, why don't we actually do it? Right. Um, unfortunately, I'd say a majority of Christians, 
don't read their Bible on a regular basis. Mm. Um, so, uh, Pastor Eric, why don't you walk us through um, why might that be? Why do people struggle in this area to read their Bible, and and how could they remedy that issue? Oh yeah, man, that's a great that's a great question. Um, I suspect that the primary reason that people don't read the Bible regularly is because there isn't an obvious uh, immediate payoff when you read and study scripture. Um, There are some parts of scripture that have these very nice, short um, kind of snippet commands or wisdom uh, that you can put in your pocket and walk away from and uh, kind of put into practice right away, right? And, and like in Paul's letters, oftentimes on the back half, the, f- the first half of his letters will be this like great theological treatises and then the back half will be very practical application. And lots of times in the back half of those letters, there's lots of these nice like one to two sentence, just kind of like exhortations. Do this, don't do this, avoid these things, uh, always do this. Like there's these very nice like commands that we can just take and we can say, oh yeah, I need to, I need to do this because this is important. Um, but most of scripture is not that way. Uh, most of the Old Testament is not that way. Most of the gospels aren't even that way. They're just these stories that seem kind of weird or there are these law codes that we can't quite decipher um, or there are these like strange kind of wisdom books uh, where Proverbs feels pretty easy because it's short snippets, but then you get into like Job where it's this very long story that has some like kind of disturbing elements about God's character. You have like the Song of Songs, which is just erotic poetry. It's it's all very difficult uh, for us to read a chapter of the Bible and be like, yes, this is what I need to do today uh, to put this into practice. So I suspect that's probably the reason why, is that the Bible is hard. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around. It's hard for us to immerse ourselves into um, an ancient Near Eastern culture. That's what I suspect it is, is that people will read the Bible. They won't get immediate instant gratification from it. And it's just easy for other things to to become more important um, to us than reading the Bible. Um, the Really, the only way to remedy that um, is uh, to remove the expectation that there's going to be some sort of immediate or instant Um, change or gratification. Because Psalm 1 um, actually tells us how to read the Bible. And it says that the person who's happy, the person who's blessed, meditates on God's instructions. He meditates on the Torah. He meditates on the Bible day and night. Um, So the way that the Bible tells us to read the Bible is to read it um, consistently, every day, every night, um, and for a lifetime. And it's actually just after a lifetime of, of immersing ourselves in the stories and in the theological treatises and the law codes and the instructions and the commands and the gospels, it's actually just this lifetime of immersing ourselves in it that will affect those changes. So um, the only remedy, I think, is just consistency. So if you're trying to read the Bible in a year, maybe try to read the Bible in two years or three years. Uh, because trying to read four or five chapters a day is going to be hard. It's going to be hard to carve out the time. It's going to be exhausting when you get into certain segments of scripture. 
Um, so maybe actually just slow down your scripture reading and um, do more of it. Another way uh, is to actually do it in community. So actually read, um, just read the scriptures out loud with with your life group. Um, try to work with your life group to read through the scriptures in a year, keep each other accountable. Um, but consistency, I think, is the key. Just creating creating this this uh, habit within yourselves that you're always ingesting scripture um, and thinking about it and dwelling on it, dwelling on the big picture. Um, but that's really how how people can um, get get the Bible into their heads and into their hearts. Good. Okay, what is our, our next tool that God gives us to guide us into faithful living? Yeah, so the next one that we have is um, Christian conversation, or you could also say um, Christian community, or you can just say discipleship. This might just be um, our discipleship might be our kind of catch-all word for this thing. We did talk about having conversations in episode four, part four of this um, series. Um, so you can go back and listen to that about how to have conversations. But what we're, what we're trying to do here with faithful living when we disciple one another into faithful living is we're trying to help each other pay attention to what God is doing in our lives. Um, Pastor Ben, you preached a sermon um, a few weeks ago about God is always at work. He's always working on us and in us and through us. Um, and most of the time, we're just kind of asleep at the wheel. We don't realize um, that he's doing that. Um, and so really what we're trying to do with faithful living, this kind of discipleship aspect, is helping each other pay attention to what God is doing. So the best way that I have um, to do that is... Um, is learning to ask like really good, hard questions about um, our faith and our life together. Um, and so part of this is that we do have um, a kind of set of questions that you can ask um, each other. And this is actually, um, the, a lot of these questions are from my old tradition, the Methodist tradition, which I think this is one of the things that they do best is discipleship. Um, and what they would do is that they would get together in what are called bands and classes. And they would be these small groups, three to five, and then maybe like up to 15. And they would just go around and it was kind of like an AA meeting. They would just ask these questions of each other. And it was just a way to like keep each other accountable um, and to help each other think through what's going on in what God is doing in their lives. So I do have this batch of questions. Eventually, uh, we will have a little booklet that's going to be kind of like a um, a no nonsense guide to leading, leading life groups. And it's going to have these questions in the back. Um, so this, this will be available soon for life group leaders. Uh, but for now, um, if you want these questions, you can just email me, ask me, and I'd be happy to get them to you. Uh, but these are questions that you can just ask each other. You could even have a part, a portion of your life group where this is all that you do is you just go around and you ask each other, um, a few of these questions and each person just answers them. This is just a way to keep each other accountable. Um, it can be, it's a judgment free zone, right? Cause like we want people to get better. We want people to experience God's grace more. We're not here to like, uh, get down on people when they're not doing, um, some of these practices. Um, but we're there to help each other, um, spur each other on to do these things. So, um, there are some basic questions, uh, that the Wesleyan Methodist always asked. Um, and I, lo I love these questions. Um, there are four of them. The first one is, did the Bible live in you today? 
So have you been thinking about Scripture? Have you been dwelling on it? Um, have you been putting uh, principles into practice that you've been thinking about? On Sunday, the pastor preached a sermon on X, Y, and Z. Um, is this have, is this real to you? Are you are you experiencing this reality this week? Um, how did the Bible live in you today? Um, and sometimes you'll just say, man, I don't know. Or maybe you say it, it didn't. Um, and that's when you can start digging in and figuring out why. Well, why are you, why are you not experiencing this? Well, because I haven't been reading the Bible. Oh, well, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good place to start, right? So you can kind of dig into that. Uh, the second question is, uh, do you give it time to speak? Um, do you give it time to speak to you every day? is the second question, the Bible that is. Um, so are you ingesting it? Are you listening to it? Um, are you listening to sermons on podcasts? Like whatever it might be, um, are you ingesting scripture in some form um, every day? So that's kind of the next question you can ask. Number three, are you enjoying prayer? Which I love this question because it's not asking, um, are you praying every day? It's not asking, um, what are you praying about? It's asking you, are you in a space where you desire and want to be praying? Um, so that's another great question. Um, are you enjoying prayer? And then four, is Christ real to you? Um, are you aware that uh, he, you are um, a servant to him? Are you aware that he is your Lord? Um, and that he is um, working on you and in you. So those are the kind of basic questions um, that you can ask each other, those four questions. Did the Bible live in you today? Do you give it time to speak uh, to you every day? Are you enjoying prayer? And is Christ real to you? Those are the basic questions that you can ask. Um, then there's just like, I have a long list of other questions you can ask, and I'm just going to give you a few of them. Um, to uh, help you kind of understand what um, what kinds of questions we're trying to to work through here. Um, are you consciously or unconsciously creating the impression um, that you are better than you really are? In other words, are you a hypocrite? Um, which I think that's a great question because we're always trying to impress other people. And so this is kind of calling us to the mat. Are we actually being honest uh, with ourselves and uh, with other people? Um can, can you be trusted? Are you trustworthy? Uh, do you pray about the money that you spend? Um, when did you last speak to someone about your faith? Um, how do you spend your spare time? Is there anyone um, whom you fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward, or disregard? If so, what are you doing about it? Do you grumble and complain um, constantly? And there are, are several others. I have 17 questions in total that you can ask. Um, but that gives you an idea of what those questions do. They're just um, hard-hitting questions to be uh, asking um, the really hard things to force us into a space of being honest with ourselves. Um, so this is where the life groups are really going to enter into um, what feels like an AA kind of space, what feels like an Alcoholics Anonymous kind of space where it's like, uh, and before you do these kinds of things, um, I would really, really encourage you to make sure that everyone knows um, that it's confidential. Every life group should be confidential. Um, you should be able to, you should keep everything that's said in there unless it's going to harm a person um, in the life group, um, unless there's some like extenuating circumstances, but the, the life group should be confidential and um, you should be able to um, 
ask these questions honestly, knowing um, everyone knowing that that everyone in that group wants to get better and wants to know Jesus more and wants to receive more of God's grace. Um, so then you just do this work of law and gospel. You um, let the law work on people by helping them understand that they've fallen short. You let the gospel work on people uh, by telling them that they are forgiven, even though they mess up. And you just kind of do this work of working through how we can get better, how we can put ourselves in a place um, where we can receive God's grace, how we can engage in more of these things that God um, has has attached promises to. Um, and these questions are a great way to do that because it's just, it's forcing us to pay attention to ourselves and pay attention to what God is doing um, in our lives. We have a beautiful promise in scripture that as believers, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this means that we have amazing potential because the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants and use us as a tool. And so maybe he's asking questions like these, helping people uh, think through their own relationship with God, thinking through their days and and their thoughts and all those things and moving them forward. Uh, Sometimes it's speaking words uh, that they need to hear through scripture we've memorized or the Holy Spirit working through us. And, and, And really, you might be thinking, well, I have nothing to offer. But the reality is the Holy Spirit, if he can use uh, ink and paper to communicate eternal yeah. truth, uh, surely he can use flesh That's and right. blood. That's and right. so uh, uh, you can be an amazing, amazing, amazing tool to communicate God's truth to people through your words and your actions. So we're going to move on to our last section, which is the forgiveness of sins. Now, this sounds very confusing because you might be thinking, "Can't well, isn't the forgiving of sins uh, held in the hands of God? And I would say, yeah, that's the majority of the truth of Scripture. But then we run into this confusing section in John 20, 23, where it seems to imply that we can forgive sins. And so, Pastor Eric, how does this work, and what benefits does this bring into our lives? Yeah, not not only John 20, but also Matthew um, 18, um, where Jesus, he, he gives the disciples uh, the authority to forgive sins. And he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If you forgive someone's sins on earth, they are forgiven in heaven. And if you withhold forgiveness from uh, of sin on earth, they will be withheld in heaven. So Jesus definitely, absolutely intended for his church, for the people of God to have the authority on behalf of um, on behalf of God to forgive sins. So this is the scandalous thing is that when Pastor Ben, when you and I stand up there on Sunday and we say the absolution, uh, we say you are forgiven to the congregation during the confession and absolution, it is done. It is forgiven. Um, when um, when someone is sitting in my office and they are guilt-ridden um, and I say, you are forgiven, God forgives that person because he's actually given the authority to forgive sins to the people of God. And this doesn't just, this isn't just the role of the pastor. Um, that was never, we don't see any indication in the rest of the New Testament um, that uh, church leadership is supposed to hold on to this um, this work. Um, we see a little bit more of that when it comes to uh, preaching and proclaiming um, and, and leading churches. There's some expectations about church leaders for those things. Uh, but the forgiveness of sins is just given. It's just turned over 
to the whole church. So in your life group and in conversations with people um, in, in your life, when you tell someone that God forgives them their sins, God forgives them their sins. It actually happens. It's a promise and an authority that's been handed over to us. Um, so we have um, the joy of being the people who get to like, we, we get to set people right with God. We get to make people righteous um, with God. We get to tell them about Jesus and we get to tell them that for the sake of Jesus Christ, God forgives them their sins. So it's this like incredible, it's this like hidden gem in discipleship that we haven't embraced this. And like, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? Like we were like, absolution heavy. Like I would rather be the type of person who is just like quick to forgive every little infraction. I'd rather be the type of person who's always willing to take the risk um, than be a little bit too um, conservative and withdrawn with this kind of gift. So I think, I really do think that the picture um, of, of Paul, I think the picture of the early church is this people who are just like quick to forgive, quick to make right, quick to... Um, uh, readjust um, sin and and quick to embrace people who want to be um, made right with God. And this um, work of forgiving each other of sins, um, it actually frees us from um, guilt. So these like these faithful living questions um, that I talked about earlier, um, some of them are hard. God has a lot of expectation for us. Um, the law that we see and the commands that we see in scripture are hard. I mean, they're impossible. Um, we really can't, we really aren't the type of people who are able um, to do everything that God expects of us, um, which is why he gave us Jesus, <laughs> which is why he like, he, he sent his son to live and died, be resurrected and ascend for us um, so that we have a representative. And so we can now live with reckless abandon um, and, and forgive with reckless abandon and uh, get things wrong, readjust, try again. Um, so this is part of that boldness of the Christian life. The benefits that these provide are clear conscience that I know that I am right with God. Um, I know that I am forgiven. Um, I am not fearful. I am not guilty. I do not feel guilt. I do not feel fear from God because I know that he has made me right. I know that I'm going to mess up and I'm just going to readjust and try again. You know, I ask for forgiveness. I confess my sins. God forgives me and we move on. Um, it's as if it's as if I didn't do those things anymore. It gives me a boldness in my uh, Christian life because I don't really give a rip anymore um, what my neighbors think about me. I don't really give a rip anymore about what, um, what the congregation um, thinks about me because God has given given me a freedom where, and, and Martin Luther, he said it, he said it this way. He said, the Christian is a perfectly free um, servant of all and a perfectly free Lord of all, that we are actually released into the world to love and serve with reckless abandon because we're no longer, there's no longer fear. There's no longer fear of failure. There's no longer fear of guilt. There's no longer fear of getting it wrong because I know I'm going to get it wrong but I know I'm just going to readjust and keep going. Um, so man, there's this boldness and this um, clarity and this freedom that we get from forgiving, um, from the forgiveness uh, of sins. And this is something that 
you can do in your life group. There are going to be people in your life group that they feel guilty about things. They feel guilty about um, uh, things they've said or things they've done in the past. Maybe some things that have happened years ago that still bother them. Maybe things that just happened this week. And you, you have the authority to say to that person, look them in the eye and say, on account of Jesus Christ, God forgives you all of your sins. You can do that. And you should do that. <laughs> you, you ought to do that in your life group um, because people are dying of guilt. They are being crushed by it. Um, and you have, you have the opportunity um, to give them freedom. Um, if they and if they have faith, they will be free. If they trust um, that, uh, if they trust the scriptures, if they trust God's word, then they are free. Um, so we get to offer forgiveness and encourage faith um, in in Jesus Christ and what He's done on account of us. So, um, really, the no nonsense. And I know it seems scary, and it seems, um, uh, I don't know, uh, overwhelming. It, it feels a little. Um, I don't know. Uh, you're probably scared of saying that kind of thing to somebody uh, because it feels strange and it feels awkward. Um, but who cares? <laughs> who cares if it's awkward? Um, who cares if it's uncomfortable? Um, who cares if uh, the person um, feels awkward? It's you are you are offering freedom. You are proclaiming the gospel to them. Um, you are you are resurrecting them. Um, through God's, uh, God's word is resurrecting them through you. You are providing um, life because God has given you that authority to do it. Um, so I really encourage a boldness in forgiving each other's sins, even though it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, and I would love to cultivate a culture where we just go around like absolving everybody, <laughs> where I would love our church to be the place where people are just absolved all the time. Um, because that's what Jesus came to do. That's his whole work. Um, that's the work of baptism is getting people into Christ. Um, that's the work of teaching them all that Jesus has commanded um, is helping them understand that uh, Jesus has lived, died, was resurrected and ascended um, for you on account for you. Um, you are forgiven. You are free. You are, you are given new life because of um, God's work. Um, through Jesus Christ. So go for it. Um, that's kind of my no nonsense um, explanation of the forgiveness of sins. And I would love to see our life groups um, do this a lot. Well, hopefully this this last session, session, session seven, Faithful Living has helped you guys move forward in your leadership for your life group, your participation in your life group, or at the bottom, bottom line, hopefully has inspired you to step into a space where you can experience uh, all these things that we've been talking about over seven sessions in a life group. So hopefully uh, you take that step this year, move forward in your leadership or get deeper connected in your life group, because that is where God can do some amazing things in your life. And I don't want you to miss out, but this brings uh, this section of our podcast to a close. We'll start up with something new next week. Uh, once again, I hope you guys are already having a great year. But this has been Pastor Ben, and with me as always is Pastor Eric. And uh, we are so excited to watch you guys move forward in your spiritual journey here at New Life Lutheran.